Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this radio broadcast. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church right here in Covington. And it's a real joy for us to be able to share with you good news. Thank you for your faithfulness in listening. I know we have a good many of our church members who are shut in or who have not yet ventured out to the Mass uh, services. And uh, you, you are still listening in, and we appreciate that so much. We also have a lot of folk in the community that know we're on the radio and turn over on their radio dial uh, at 1030. It's a real joy to have you with us. And, of course, we are also meeting in the sanctuary, having our uh, worship hour at 1030 a.m. And next Sunday, the first Sunday of September, we'll move on into a Sunday school time, a time of Bible study, an hour before our worship time. Uh, on this Labor Day weekend, we want to greet you. Uh, it's hard to believe that the month of August is almost past. Uh, a whole lot of things happening. You know, the kids are back in school, and yet the COVID virus continues to be a threat to us. Um, I'd like for us to ask the question today as we turn to God's Word, do you have peace of mind? Do you have peace of mind? Go over to 2 Corinthians in your Bibles because that's the setting that we're going to take. Uh, we see the Apostle Paul here, uh, ministry, and he mentions this idea of not being able to attain peace of mind. You know, it, it would be an understatement to say that we are living in a time of unrest. When you consider everything that's going on around us, we have to kind of ask the question, can even Christians have peace of mind when faced with the pressures of our day? When we consider uh, what this pandemic has done in the last year and a half, not just in our nation, but in the entire world. Uh, when we consider the up and down of our economy, largely as a result of the pandemic throughout the world. Uh, when we consider uh, just different things in life that tend to put pressure on us, uh, aging parents, uh, bitter divorces, uh, ill health, malignant tumors that require surgery or chemotherapy. Uh, you, you consider those who have trouble in their marriages and in their family lives, uh, financial pressures that come from every direction, especially those with college expenses. There are those who are building up uh, with their credit cards or perhaps they're laid off from their work and, and immediately now we have the the unrest that's around the entire world, especially the trouble in Afghanistan where uh, just this past week we had some of our own soldiers that were killed in the conflict there. Uh, we live in a time of pressure, a time of unrest. But I'd like to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 now where the Apostle Paul admits uh, that at this point in his missionary journey, he, too, 
lost peace of mind. Go to go to chapter two of Second Corinthians, and uh, up in verse twelve, we'll read verses twelve and thirteen just to kind of set the stage for this idea. Paul says. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Now, this is an interesting scripture because the Apostle Paul makes an unusual statement here. He says, that he and his uh, partners had gone to Troas, where indeed the Lord opened a door for him. And I assume he means for his ministry, for evangelism there. But in verse 13, he says, even with all of this, I had no peace of mind. And he says the reason is because he didn't find his his brother, his friend Titus, another preacher, another evangelist, there. Um, now, Paul clarifies this a little bit more in chapter 7 in verses 5 and 6, because there he says about this same issue, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, Fears on the inside, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. So what we have here is the the fact, as, as I kind of fill in some of the empty spaces, of course, the Apostle Paul had written that first letter to the Corinthians. And you remember the Corinthian church was having serious problems. And Paul was trying to correct those problems from a distance. And if you've ever read through or studied 1 Corinthians, you realize that one chapter after another presents one problem after another that the Corinthian congregation was experiencing. And uh, Paul couldn't go to Corinth at that time. He had sent his friend Titus to try to help that church. And he was hoping that he could meet up with Titus and get good news from him about the church in Corinth when he went to Troas, but Titus wasn't there. And uh, Paul says, even though the Lord had opened a door for us at Troas for ministry, I still didn't have any peace of mind. Now, uh, what I want you to see is that Paul's anxiety was temporary. Uh, He quickly recovered um, his peace of mind. Uh, he shows how the the Christian can have peace of mind in even in the midst of a troubled world, a world that's full of unrest, just like our world is today. And I want you to see, my friend, that a Christian can still have peace of mind even when he or she is in the midst of problems and troubles and worries and heartaches. Notice four different things that Paul mentions here in the next verses. And the first thing he mentions that helps us to find rest and peace is a grateful heart. A grateful heart. Because he begins verse 14 by saying, but thanks be to God 
he leads me in triumph. And he does. God always does. We need to have a grateful heart. No matter what we face in this life, no matter what circumstances that we might run into, when we focus on our pressures and troubles, dear friends, our anxiety increases. But when we focus on God's goodness, peace increases. Um, now, in our service on Sunday, uh, we're going to be singing uh, one of my favorite hymns, an old hymn that everybody knows, Count Your Many Blessings. And in the first verse, the, uh, the writer of the song says, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. John Oatman did a good job expressing what I'm trying to bring out in this message, that when we praise God, when we count our blessings, then our peace, our inner peace, increases. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and a crooked generation. Uh, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Let me ask you today, because of the unrest and the problems that every one of us face uh, in our daily lives, are you often a constant complainer, a grumbler? Paul writes in Philippians 2 here, and he says, Christians need to do everything without grumbling or arguing because that puts a, a dark spirit upon us. We need to thank God. We need to constantly count our blessings. I think of the, the story about some grandchildren who decided to play a trick on their uh, grandpa. So when he was napping, they sprayed his mustache with some putrid bug spray. And when he woke up, he said, there's something in this room that stinks. And he went into the kitchen and he says, the kitchen stinks too. And he went outside and he came back in and he said, the whole world stinks. Well, it wasn't the whole world that was stinking, was it? Grandpa just needed to clean up right under his own nose. And there's something about complaining and grumbling that makes the whole world stink. We fix our minds on something negative, and that's all we can think about. And we forfeit the blessing of seeing one blessing out of, after another that is all around us. Um... I also heard the story of two elderly women who went to an orchestra concert. And uh, on the way home, one of them asked the other, how did you like the concert? And uh, one, the, the other woman said, uh, the way that first violinist blew his nose after the first number just ruined the entire evening for me. You know, uh, there are people in the world who missed the entire concert of life because they focused in on the blowing of one nose. I hope you're not like that. Christians shouldn't be like that. We need to praise God. 
in Psalm 77 and verse 3, the King James Version quotes David as saying, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. And my friend, when we start complaining about one thing or another, usually our spirit becomes overwhelmed. It becomes like the proverbial snowball going down the mountain. Things get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, we need to counter blessings. We need to start praising God. We need to do everything without complaining, without grumbling. Um, we need to say, uh, as one uh, Christian leader said, every time I find myself complaining, I'm going to say out loud five things I'm grateful for. And I might just challenge you to take that challenge today and uh, see what that does for your Christian life. So Paul says here, we found no rest, but thanks be to God who leads me in triumph. Let's notice something else. We, we also need to realize that our lives are significant and, and when we realize that, that God has made us important people, he has made us significant in our world, that brings peace of mind and heart to our lives. Uh, Viktor Frankl once wrote, There is nothing <clears throat> in this world which helps a person surmount difficulties, survive disappointments, and stay healthy and happy as the knowledge of a life task worthy of his dedication. And, of course, Viktor Frankl went through the, the Jewish, the Nazi concentration uh, camps of the Jews. Uh, he suffered imprisonment, and yet he kept that positive spirit. He kept that idea that my life is significant, and I'm going to, to use it as much as I can. How about you, dear friend? Can you see daylight even when the darkness is closing in? The Apostle Paul knew that his life was worth something. Let's read verses 14 through 16 because they're interesting verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us uh, as captives in Christ's triumphal pr pr procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we're an aroma that brings death. To the other, we're an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Now, this, this is an interesting passage because the Apostle Paul goes into great detail here about the victory parade uh, that Roman uh, generals uh, would take, um, would have when they came home after uh, winning a great battle. Uh, the, the, the Roman triumph was like a ticker tape parade, uh, often given to uh, 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 the World Series champions, for example, when they come back home or when astronauts return from a space voyage successfully. Uh, listen to what uh, Warren Wearsby, a great Bible commentator, uh, says about this victory parade for the Roman general. 
he says, if a commander-in-chief won a complete uh, victory over the enemy on foreign soil, and if he killed at least 5,000 enemy soldiers and gained new territory for the emperor, that commander-in-chief was entitled to a Roman triumph. The processional would include the commander riding in a golden chariot surrounded by his officers. Uh, the parade would also include a display of the spoils of battle as well as the captive enemy soldiers. The Roman priest would also be in the parade carrying burning incense to pay tribute to the victorious army. The procession would follow a special route through the city and would end at the Circus Maximus where the helpless captives would entertain the people by fighting with wild beasts. It was the most special day in Rome when citizens were treated to a full-scale Roman triumph. And, uh, and the Apostle Paul says here in chapter 2, we're a part of Christ's victory parade. He has won the battle. He has defeated the enemy, Satan, when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And now we, as his followers, as believers, as a part of his kingdom, the church, we're in this ticker tape parade. We can join in the celebration. Uh, we can give our testimony that we're one of the good soldiers. We're one of the victorious soldiers. In verse 15, Paul says, We are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. He says, To the one group, we're the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? You see, the crucial task of every Christian is to be a testimony of Christ. We are a testimony to the aroma of life. Um, Paul says Christians living life in the world are a sweet smell to those who are being saved. That's why we need to give our testimony, because it's the greatest witness in all the world. And we have something to tell. Our, our lives are special and significant because we believe and live in Jesus. Now, there are times when our standards annoy the world, because we live in a world now who primarily does not believe in absolutes, they, they don't believe that there are standards of right and wrong. And when we begin to live our, our lives according to the scriptures, the world doesn't like it. And, and uh, you know, to us, to them, we're, we're the stench of death. And yet if they ever see the light and decide that they're going to become Christians, all of a sudden we are the savor of real life. Um. Do you feel significant, dear friend? Do you realize how special you are? How much God depends upon you to be a part of his ticker tape parade? Uh, not only being thankful and grateful for what God has given you, but being able to influence and give a testimony to those around you. Now, there's something else that fits into this according to the scripture, and that's that's the fact that our motives as Christians are pure. In verse 17, 
uh, of Second Corinthians 2, Paul says, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. The, the New Living Translation does a good job with this verse. It, it says, you see, we're not like the many huskers who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. In other words, Paul is saying there, you know, we in this life that we live as Christians, we're, we're, we're real. We're not, we don't have hidden motives. We're not trying to make money out of all this deal. We're just trying to be the, the people God wants us to be. Let me, let me ask you, are, are you for real? Are you for real? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? One poet said, you know, when you get what you want in the struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that guy has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment of you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the guy staring back from the glass. He is the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he is with you clear up to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the guy in the glass is your friend. You may be like Jack Horner and chisel a plum and think you're a wonderful guy. But the guy in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. You can fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartaches and tears if you've cheated the guy in the glass. My friend, I'm going to ask you today, what about your motives? Why do you do the things you do? Why do you say the things you say? Are you for real? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? And then, as we come down to the conclusion of today's message, I just want to wrap things up by saying we are going to have peace of mind if we are confident about our eternal destiny. If we know for sure that we are going to be victors in Jesus. You see, if you go back through and read this text again, the Apostle Paul writes all of this in the present tense. The, the words of the scripture are in the present tense. Christ leads us now, present tense, in triumph. The ticker tape parade of Christ's victory of Christian's victory is right now. He says in the text, we are the pleasing aroma of Christ. Not someday. We are right now. We can be significant today. He says the aroma is wonderful, pleasing to those who are being saved. You see, that's present tense. Right now. Um, we know who wins the war. Uh, some some preacher kind of made famous the idea, uh, we've read the end of the story. We've read the last chapter. We know that Jesus is going to triumph. So how is your life right now? Uh, are you finding in the Lord Jesus what you really need? 
Um, there are times in our lives when we get down, when we get low, just like Paul. He says, we got there, we, we knew that the Lord had opened the door for us, but we still didn't have any peace of mind. But then he comes back and he says, I'm grateful. Thanks be to God. He realized that his life was significant and important in the scheme of things for Jesus. He realized that his motives were pure. He wasn't peddling the word of God for profit. He realized everything was okay, and he knew who was going to win in the end. Do you know that, dear friend? Are you a Christian? Are you living every day? He can help you overcome these troubles that you might be having in life. He can give you hope past these obstacles that seem to bother you, and maybe they take away your peace of mind and your ability to rest. Uh, it's so important that we seize these good things and realize that only Jesus and only the followers of Jesus win in the end. Thank you for listening today. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, uh, we're so grateful for your word, and certainly your word speaks to us through the Apostle Paul's writings today. Uh, Lord, uh, it, there may be those listening right now who don't have a lot of peace of mind, and I just pray that you'll come into their lives and their hearts, help them uh, to capitalize and to grasp hold of these things that are true and good. And uh, Lord, only the Lord Jesus can give us the peace of mind, the rest of soul that we really need. So we pray for that today. And we thank you for Jesus and all that he's done for us. Amen.